All right, everyone, we're going to come back together now. So glad to see everybody. I feel like it has been way too long since I've been able to be at church. Um, can we actually have the middle light up? Thank you so much, Rich. Um, and I missed everybody. Like, Super Bowl Saturday, awesome, but then with the snow, it was super fun to do. I don't know who caught our um, Facebook Live, where during the commercial break, Ains told dad jokes. Um, but if you haven't seen it, you can go back. It's on our Facebook, on Hope Community's Facebook page. And um, it was a lot of fun, though I was very sweaty because I was nervous. Being live on Facebook is stressful, y'all. Okay, so um, today I want to welcome um, missionary friends of mine. We're, they're just going to share quickly with us what they're doing, but they're the people that I, I honor most in the world, honestly, because I was a missions intern for a year on the Flathead Indian Reservation in Montana, and my leaders were Jan and Corb Morgan, and um, they are here this week, and so they're just going to come up here and just quickly share with us. Um, their heart, they, they um, did a blanket ceremony when Amos and I got married, and so they're dear, dear friends. So you can come up here. <laughs> can you welcome them? All right. Hi, Miss E. Hi. <laughs> we, we call her Miss E. That's from Jeffrey. There's Jeff right there. Jeff, you don't need to come up here, but that's our Jeffrey right there, and he's, uh, he's our son, and our grandson, Ethan. You can stand up and every, let everybody see how tall you are. Woo! There's Ethan. All right. And my husband, Corb, and I. And uh, well, we're just really excited to be here. And Eleanor and Amos' church. Oh, it's just so neat. We've, we have known Eleanor and Amos. We won't tell too many stories, but you can t- talk to us later if you want to hear them, okay? Because we got some good. Where's Amos? We got some good ones on him, but that's okay. Um, But Eleanor was uh, an intern with us, like she said, in Montana for nine months. They got engaged on our front porch. We went through the process of these two and the recording and the whole deal. And it's just been such a wonderful journey. We are just so, so proud of these guys. We are so proud of them. And, And you are blessed to have them as your pastors as you get to know them you will i'm sure you already know that but they will they will just be the most wonderful shepherds for you all so very quickly i won't take too long because um i can do it very quickly actually um we are in montana we still live in montana we are not at the flathead reservation right now but our ministry is among native american people And right now, our focus has been the native uh, reservations in Montana, and especially with children. We love kids. Uh, We are going to be going to the um, Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation in Montana this summer with a group from Northwest Church in Federal Way, which I think you might know them. And uh, we are going to be joining them this summer, and plus we will going to try to also get up to Rocky Boy Reservation, which is Chippewa Cree. But our, um, our ministry, we just, we love our Native people. We work among them. We feel that, um, that this is our call. We've pastored churches. And we've been Foursquare pastors for many years. But we really feel strongly led. And it, our, our entire life, we just feel like we just, we know God wants to continue to use us until he says we're done. 
So that is what we're doing, and here is a brochure. I, we only brought um, a few of them here, but if you really are interested in finding out more about us, this is a, a brochure you can look at. But did you want to say something? Can't be long now, Pastor. I know. Well, they said five minutes, but is that five pastors' minutes or <laughs> five minutes? Oh, five minutes. Yeah. Well, just you know, when I think about Amos and Eleanor, it's just overflowing love. I just we're so proud of you guys, and and I remember clear back in 2007 when we first met you, we saw both of you. I mean. It, and you, you were on our torchbearers list. Just, Lord, we know what's coming. We know what's coming. And, and look at it today. But uh, we were so proud of you guys when we heard that you had the snow event and you, you didn't just cancel church. You did it online. And that just blew our minds. I mean, we still use smoke signals where we're at, you know. We, this whole thing with a Skype or whatever you call it. So that was really cool. You guys are like, advanced, but uh, just one thing, as we were worshiping, um, I was just kind of with the Lord like we all are, and, and I saw a sunrise, and and it, it, it was just the beginning, it was start, and it was over University Place, and it's just kind of shining forth, and, and I said, Lord, well, Lord, what am I seeing? And he said, well, I'm the sunrise, but then what was really cool is it broke into rays, distinct rays, and I well, what's that all about? And, and I felt like the Lord said, unique ways that you guys will be touching this place. You know, the way he's prepared you to be here. And all of you are here as a, just to, to, to reach the people here, love the people here. It's that easy. Just start loving on people in unique ways. And wow. But uh, so, so full of love for you guys and uh, blessings. Okay, well, thank you for having us come, and I'm going to, I'll set the brochures wherever, you know, out in the lobby, okay, okay, um, just a little note, we are part of Christian Assembly Foursquare Church in Missoula, Montana, uh, with Pastor Mike McGovern, who is no longer there as our pastor, um, but he, he retired, he just retired this last, this last um, week. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. And we have uh, Matthew Lang now and Gwyneth Lang who are our pastors. So they're awesome. So, yeah, we're excited. Anyway, I wanted to let you guys know that. That's our Jeffrey. He's been having trouble with his balance. So he didn't see me freak out. I just, it's like, oh, okay, Jeff fell, you know. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, um, I, I, just to toot Jane and Corb's horn for a second. Um, I just want everyone to know that what they do uh, among our Native American tribes is really a ministry of reconciliation and is a ministry of representing the gospel to many tribal groups who had it presented to them in a way that was harsh, unfair, and um, did breaking rather than healing. And so what they're doing is really starting with the children and just... Um, during summer camp, they do a meal. They, um, they're so gifted with children. They uh, do games. They present Bible presentations in a way that kids can understand. And they were so honored among the people of the reservation that whether people were Christian or not Christian, if people needed wisdom, they knew to go to Jan and Corb. So most of what I did on the reservation was get to hang out with Jeff so that Jan could do counseling for these people who would come to her who didn't even believe in Jesus but knew that she had wisdom. So um, 
anyway, they will have their brochures, and maybe we'll hang out in the lobby for a little bit after service if you'd like to get to know them better. But thank you for coming today. You honor us. All right. So uh, this week starts a new sermon series that is going to take us from here all the way through Easter called I Am. The last uh, few weeks from the beginning of the new year till now, we have been focusing on, uh, if someone can say the little rhyming phrase, I'll like get you candy at Whole Foods or something like that. But what have we been focusing on? Can anyone tell me? The who before the do. All right. I am so impressed. I have a lot of people candy. Um, But yeah, we've been focusing on the who before the do. And what that means is at the beginning of the year, we felt this feeling like we got to give direction. We have to give some kind of like where we're going. And we felt like what the Lord was saying is focus on who you're becoming before you focus on what you're doing. And so that's why this whole first part of the year, we've been focusing on the who before the do, loving Jesus for his own sake, spending agenda-free time with God, so loving him for who he is and not for what he can do for us. So what that led us to is this realization that we should go through one of the Gospels, one of the four books that was written, I just went like this when I said four, one of the four books that was written about Jesus's life, picking stories that we feel like are for Hope Community at this time and getting deeper into who Jesus is. So this series is going to be called I Am. Frankie, Amos, and I will all be preaching in it. And... um. We spent time at our kitchen table praying and reading through Luke and saying, Lord, what stories are you pulling out for us to look at? And then when we would overlap or all three of us said, yeah, I thought that story should be included too. Those are the sermons we're going to be preaching. Um, So we're really excited about this and um, getting into it. So today we're going to start in Luke 5. So we just did Christmas, so we're not talking about the birth of Jesus in this series, but we're starting in Luke 5 where Jesus calls his first disciples. So we're going to read the passage and then break it down line by line. This is what it says. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is... um, Sea of Galilee is the other way of saying that. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who would later become Peter, and asked him to put it out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. 
this story is spoil is a total spoiler alert. This is the very end of the sermon. I was going to say this. I'm going to say it now. Spoiler alert. It's not really about fish. <laughs> it's not really about fish at all. Um, but that's what I love about Jesus is he, I've said this before, but we say, is it A or is it B? And he answers purple, <laughs> right? He's not even on the same wavelength. Um, but what I love about this story is that it's a perfect picture of how Jesus wants to be involved in our lives. So we're going to break it down and we're going to see things about his character and the way he moves in this story. So Jesus is standing by the lake and he's preaching. He's sharing truth. People are crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now, if anyone has ever tried to take a field trip of teenagers anywhere, you know that um, being heard when there are 15 or more of them pressing around you is impossible. Am I right? Who's been there? Anyone? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> many missions trips to Mexico prove this theory to be true. It's very difficult when you're all standing around each other to be heard. And so that's the picture we're getting, that all these people want to listen to Jesus, but how many people can actually hear him? So that's the setup here. And he sees at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who are washing their nets. So they're done for the day. They're cleaning up their area. And he sees two boats, and he, he gets into one belonging to Simon and asks him to put it out a little from the shore. So if you've read the Bible before, um, you might notice that often it says Jesus was teaching like on a hillside. Uh, and here, it's the same idea. What they're trying to do back in those days is create a natural amphitheater. Okay, so if you're all sitting where you're sitting, let's say on the grass, and I come down here, and I'm at the bottom of the slope, it's, it's very practical that most of you will be able to hear me. Does that make sense? Um, and so Jesus was doing the same thing. He was having the people stay on the shore and asking Peter to push him out a little bit into the water and creating this amphitheater-style um, area for himself so that everyone could hear him. So <clears throat> that is really, it says he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, asked him to put it out a little from the shore. So I imagine the conversation said, would you mind pushing me out just a little bit? in your boat. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. It's so interesting here that all Simon is doing is just offering Jesus what he has. Jesus says, can I use your boat? Simon says, sure. Can you push me out a little? Simon pushes him out a little. And this is how Simon is partnering in making a way for the word of God to be heard. I would say that is our role as well as we relate to Jesus. Something that we were talking about in pre-service prayer today is this idea that like most of the time in the kingdom of God, I don't need to be the one saving the day. I just need to be like, gee, my boat? <laughs> making a way for Jesus to do what he does. So they push him out, and the word of God is now going out from Peter's boat, starting with, with what Peter has to offer, preaching from it. And um, 
This is this beautiful segue into, as I said, including Peter and what Jesus is doing in a very small way. Starts very small. Just, can I use your boat? Can you give me a push? Right? Um, And I think this, as I said, is who we are, the role we're meant to take in God's kingdom in University Place in Tacoma. Preparing the way, offering a way for him to be encountered and heard. Doesn't need to be us that needs to be encountered and heard. Needs to be him who's encountered and heard. We are not the gospel. We are facilitators of the gospel. Okay? Isn't that relieving? There is not, I wore my waterproof mascara. There is not a week that I arrive at this building that I feel qualified. The first thing, I'm going to be really real because what's the point of not being real, to be honest? Um, The first feeling I feel when I arrive here every week is guilty. Thinking about what I haven't done thinking about how I'm not ready or the argument Amos and I got into on the way over, whatever it is. (laughs) I mean, like, okay, there's just an absolutely no point in pretending like that doesn't happen. Um, but, but please, please hear me. Like I'm not the gospel. None of us are like, that's the whole point of it (laughs) is that none of us ever could be. Like, if you look at a paper Bible and you look at the Old Testament versus the New, do you know what that whole chunk, the majority of the Bible is telling all creation? There is not a person capable of leading well. The whole chunk is just pointing to the need for Jesus Christ. It's all saying none of it will ever be worthy without him. So, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, remember, they had been washing their nets at the beginning of this. And something about that is a mother really sticks in my craw. Like, have you seen that meme and it says, now that I'm a parent, I finally understand my mom when she said, if we have to stop once between home between work and home, it will kill me. Like, I don't want to go to the store. I don't want to stop. Like, I'm not stopping. Like, I'm not getting you in and out of this car. We are going home. The nets were washed. The day was done. And now more than just getting in the boat and pushing off a little bit, Jesus says, hey, why don't you get back in your boat, row out to the deep water, and throw down your nets? It's so interesting here that Jesus' direction to Simon is, would you please go out from where you are now? I let you stay on the shore. I just asked for a little nudge. Next step, would you go out from where you are now? Like, get into the deep water. He's asking for more involvement, giving opportunity for more of Peter to say yes, or Simon, excuse me. Overflow is to come. We've read the story. They're nuts, break, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But the little stuff comes first. And before we're like asking for overflow or whatever, 
like, have we even let him use our boat? You know, like people like, (laughs) people like claiming overflow and blessing and blah, I'm like, that was a couple steps down the road. Like, have you even offered him a push out into the water? <laughs> like, like, it starts small. It doesn't start with the big stuff. So, I love Simon's response. Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Amen. Can I get it? Does anyone else ever feel like this? <laughs> I'm the kind of person who starts a project, works very meticulously for eight hours, and then in the last hour is like, you know what, forget it. And then I'll like, I'll finish it, but finish it like the wrong way after I was meticulous because I just wanted to be done. Um, but this is what Peter said. Simon's saying, we've worked hard all, hard all night, but haven't caught anything. Worked hard for nothing. And I think what this is setting up is this question in the passage of, you have worked hard. How has that worked out for you? Now, will you try it his way? I love asking that question of myself. This is the question Jesus keeps asking me as I'm getting older and we're continuing to try and have the best marriage, and I'm trying to be the best parent and the best pastor, and I constantly find this, that still small voice asking me, how is that working out for you? Has, has that way of thinking gotten you where you wanted? Has that mode of operation gotten you where you wanted? That is also a clue into how Jesus works with us. Because often he asks the question and doesn't give the answer. But this is what Peter says. Um, We worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because I said so has a negative connotation. (laughs) Am I right, Mom? (laughs) Right? Um, No, I'm the only one. Because I said so is something I'm only understanding the power of now that I have a three-year-old. And, um, but Jesus is not the one saying, because I said so. That's the difference. Jesus doesn't need to say, because I said so. (laughs) Peter says, but because you say so. I will. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Wouldn't it be cool if we started to crack under the load of blessing and outpouring in University Place? In Tacoma, I'm not talking about like money and success and blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about like true revival. That we would start to like break under the pressure of that. That it would get messy. That we would have new problems. 
My friend Jessica, had, um, her entire life had been allergic to dairy. Terrible, terrible reaction. Had stomach problems so bad her entire life. Last year, she was at a ministry school where they believe that Jesus heals today, as we do. And they prayed for her, and Jessica was healed. She could all of a sudden eat dairy for the first time in her life and wasn't constantly crippled by these stomach problems. I was like, Jess, how you doing? She's like, Eleanor, I'm getting fat. She's like, I'm gaining a bunch of weight because I can eat pizza. I can have, like, she's like, you know, and I was like, oh, girl, you got new problems. I'm like, what a wonderful problem to have. Some of us have had the same problems for too long. God wants you to have new problems. As Peter and Simon and James and John were experiencing here, their nets begin to break because of the outpouring of what God is doing for them. So they signal their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Wouldn't that be so cool? We're like, it can't be contained. All the churches in Tacoma have to band together. And then all the churches in Tacoma start to crack under the pressure of what God is doing. What beautiful, what a beautiful problem to have. Could it be? I really like that idea. (laughs) I like this part because what it points to is the need for partnership for team and unity and not exclusivity, that they call their partners to help them with the problems of the overflow of blessing. Both of the boats now are sinking. And I really like, like when I'm being spiritual, but not so much when I'm at home by myself, um, I really like this idea that we should risk sinking to be a part of what God is doing. It's not a comfortable place to be. It's like, that's what everyone, that's what we try our whole lives to avoid. And yet that is what Jesus is doing for Peter in his blessing, for Simon and his blessing is risk sinking. So when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Isn't that an interesting response to God's blessing? To say, I don't deserve any of this. You shouldn't even be near me. Now, I don't think Jesus wants us to live there. But if we have never felt that impulse at the blessing of God, to say, I don't even deserve what you're doing right now. To be in that kind of awe. I think that's also somewhere that Jesus would have us go in this next season. It's an awareness of his glory and my lack of ability to attribute anything that's happening to me. It's like buying furniture at Costco, and I've said this before, or a TV at Costco, if you will. You're like, that seems a reasonable size. And then you get it inside your house, 
which is not like 100,000 square feet, and you're like, that TV is too big, <laughs> right? There's something about being in the presence of God that um, calibrates how we see ourselves and how we see him. So he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So James and John also became disciples of Jesus, which is why they're being mentioned here. I would love to be astonished at what God is doing. In the last six weeks at Hope Community Church, um, at youth group, we have had five salvations. And here in service, has, it was, is it 11 or 12? 11 salvations or rededications. And I'm just like, what? I don't want to be like, why? Because I mean, I like, I believe in our team. This is a great church. Because, <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, like, I'll, I'll put them up against any team you got. But, like, the astonishment, the humility, the awareness that, like, Jesus is doing something only he could do. Good times are ahead. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. It was now, never really about fish. All of the prosperity and overflow that as fishermen would have them set for a good long while, it was just all a metaphor for God's kingdom and what Jesus was going to do through them through the centuries, to us right now. The blessing, the overflow, the breaking, even the sinking, it was all pointing to what a life of faith walked with Jesus looks like. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I love the picture that they pull their boats up almost like they're, like, saying goodbye to the life they had lived. Like, I'm going to put it in place, you know? That last grasp, settling of what used to be. Back where they started, they leave it and follow him. Here's what I take away from this passage. You can go back to the first slide. That Jesus' way is gentle. He doesn't force, coerce, or control. He offers his way and holds our hands, or is right there, Jesus is present in this scene, as we learn and experience him for what he does. His goodness unfolding right before our eyes. And it's almost like he's just standing there, taking it all in. He surveys us experiencing that life of faith. He's standing near, calm and loving, ready to reveal the true purpose of what he is doing, was doing all along. And I love that. Jesus is not like, do this, do that, turn away sinner, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's a, like Jesus is calmly giving small instructions that Peter is free to respond to or not. And then allowing the events to unfold and explaining them as they progress and as Peter wants. 
To me, that's the picture of who Jesus is. He's, he's not in there controlling everything. He's letting it unfold. Secondly, that we follow him because we've seen his way and experienced our goodness for ourselves, his goodness for ourselves. The pattern I see in this passage is obey, surrender, follow, and learn. Obey him in little things, surrender to what he's doing, even when you're like, the nets are washed, come back tomorrow. Follow him and then trust that he's going to teach you. As he said, from now on, you're going to fish for people. Lastly, that Jesus has this answer that the point was never fish at all. It was always about people. And Jesus was happy to explain that in a way that Peter, James, and John could understand, touch, and feel with their own hands. And the takeaway is this. Everything is sacred if Jesus has led you there. There is not a step of your life where he's not ready to teach you, to be present, to give you instruction, and to show you his kingdom. If he has led you there, it is sacred. I love that the people of this story, um, the background of looking for a Messiah was this king who was going to come in and kind of cut out the Romans and save everyone. But the picture of Jesus in this passage is someone who has nothing to prove but everything to offer. And I think we need to let that go into our hearts a little bit tonight. Jesus has nothing to prove but everything to offer me. 